Welcome to the Second Mix Podcast, where we reflect, revise, and remix our lives. I am Matthew Bennett. Thanks for listening today. This is part of a series on getting through the cycles of complexity that life throws at us. If you want more information, you can start at episode 10. But each of these episodes is going to stand on its own two feet. You're going to get a lot out of each one independently of the others. These are the principles that I've been learning and that have been dramatically changing my life for the last few years. This podcast is for you, and it's for me to be able to refine these ideas. Life is full of complexity. Things aren't always easy. You go to the post office to mail a letter, and there's something wrong, and you can't mail it. Or you get a flat tire on the way to work on the day that you have to be there on time. You try to move some furniture in your house, and your plans just don't fit together, and the furniture doesn't fit where you wanted to put it. And these are the easy ones. I used to think that it was just me. I called myself the anomaly. I'd say every time I try to do something that should be simple, some wrench gets dropped in the gears and life gives me trouble. Now, it wasn't really every time, and it also wasn't just me being the anomaly, but these things happen often and they happen to everybody. Oddly enough, most people think that it only happens to them, but it happens to us all. To get through these cycles of complexity that life throws at us, it helps to understand a method of forward movement. And these go by a lot of different names, but I call them ethos, intention, efficacy, agency, adversity, and elevation. I go into more detail on each one of those in episode 10, but today I'm focused on ethos, which is a really good thing because I've just had an eight-week struggle with this. Your ethos is your compass and your steering wheel your character, and your operating manual. It defines who you are. It is determined by a few things. Your mindset, your character, your input, which is what is currently influencing you, your patience to wait for incremental change, your ability to be still and find some room to think, and your relaxed effort. Before I found the cycles of complexity as a term, I was going to call the book that I'm writing Relax and Struggle. Mindset specifically has been in my thoughts recently because over the last couple of months, I began to see that I've been letting some poisonous things slip into my mindset. So I want to begin there. The last few years, I've dramatically changed my mindset. I've changed most areas of my life as a result. But for the last eight weeks or so, I actually felt like I was on a decline. Our brains are constantly striving to reach for the negative. It's an inherited trait we all have it. We're always looking for danger, looking for a downside. It is, it's a survival mechanism. It's built in so that we don't get eaten by the monster. It's an incredible tool that we have at our disposal so that we can continue as a species. And there's nothing wrong with it. But in the relatively safe society we're living in, that part of our brain still operates and we create problems that don't really exist. We see social conflict as a danger. The new monster and we're scared of it. Even if we tell ourselves that the worst that can happen is a bad emotion, we still experience the same fear. This can be detrimental to our mindset, and the whole mechanism goes haywire even in the absence of any physical danger. We live in a normal negative. The base, the bottom, is always going to be negative. In the absence of our own effort toward the positive, our mindset is always going to be in favor of the fear of monsters. All of life is an upward struggle against this downward pull of the normal negative. 
Trees are fighting against gravity and toward the sun. The food we eat is struggling in competition with the weeds that are growing around it and the bugs that are trying to eat it. I'll be talking a lot more about this when I get to the episodes on adversity, because this is part of the internal and external adversity that we all deal with. And for the last eight weeks, I've been letting my own brain trick me. As soon as I got to a point where I wasn't feeling happy or upbeat, I should have done two things to heal my mindset, both of which I neglected. First, I should have remembered that it's not all peaches and cream and that we all have to go through some winters and some long nights. And that's just part of being human. I should have reminded myself that upbeat times are just around the corner and that I have to keep working just as hard on my goals, on my values, on my disciplines. Second, I should have reflected and asked myself, what am I failing to do that would greatly increase my confidence and my self-esteem? What is it that I'm neglecting? What is it that I'm scared of or hiding from? I didn't do either of these things. Allow me to reveal to you my thought process. I recognize now how tricky our minds are in striving to follow the path of least resistance, how manipulative our own thoughts can be as they reach downward toward the normal negative and pull against our upward climb. My thought process was this. I'm not feeling great about life right now but I'm reading good, positive books. I'm hanging around with good, positive people. I'm doing all the right things. So what is the problem? And then I started looking for something or someone to blame. There are negative people around me. Maybe it's their fault. I'm waiting for the weather to be better. If this weather would get better, I'd just feel happy. The people around me aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I know I'm doing all the right stuff, but they are not. As I focused outward, on all the things that could be causing my distress, I wasn't able to look inward where the distress was actually taking place. Earl Schof, who was Jim Rohn's mentor, said this, It's not what happens to you that determines the greatest part of your future. What happens to you happens to everybody. It's how you deal with what happens to you that determines what your future is like. I was looking outward for the solution to an internal problem. And I was ignoring the fact that I have to change to make everything change for me. And the tricky part, the manipulative part, is that I already knew this. I had already gone over it. I'd done the homework on it. I'd seen it change my life, but it still got me for a limited time. I have since strengthened my resolve to decide once again that I am responsible for my life. I'm responsible for how it goes. I'm responsible for following the disciplines, doing the learning, doing the work. If you're experiencing some amazing life change because of a change in your mindset, don't get into the thought pattern that it's a one and done kind of thing. It's a commitment for life to stay on top of it, to keep growing and to keep changing. And in reflection after this whole process, I realized that complaining and blaming are two of the most poisonous things we can do to our mindset because both of those give up control of our lives to outside conditions. Motivational legend Brian Tracy speaks a lot about the locus of control. Do you have an internal locus of control where you see yourself as responsible for your current life or do you have an external locus of control where you blame outside forces for your current circumstances? Essentially, it's what do you see is controlling your life? 
Do you see it as coming from within the internal locus of control? Or do you see it coming from outside? Your life is determined by all of these outside forces. People with an internal locus of control are happier and more successful in general. So if something is going wrong in your life, instead of blaming the government or the weather or taxes or inflation or other people, make the decision that it's not those things that are in control of your life. It's you. It's your brain. It's your mindset. Mindset has a million parts, a million thoughts, but I believe that a healthy mindset starts with saying this, I'm responsible. It's up to me. It's not going to get better until I make it better or until I get better. For just one of dozens of examples I could give here, let's say you come home every day to your spouse, kids, family, and there's always tension in the air. It's always uncomfortable, even to the point of not enjoying being at home anymore. If you want things to be better, how can it get better? Do you say, if those people would only change, then things would be better? I've got some news for you. It isn't going to change. Don't wait for it to change. You can grab up responsibility. You can do the work. You can say that it will change. And if you will change, everything will change for you. Not by changing other people, not by forcing them to do the things that make you happy, but by changing your response, changing your thought process, and changing your attitude. Select a new attitude, even if it feels silly. So keep in mind, if you will change, everything will change for you. My normal negative used to be that I looked for conspiracies against me. I could turn any word spoken to me into harsh accusations against me. I'd read into conversations and look to see how I could be victimized or how I could take offense to this. If my wife said something to me that could mean two things, I'd always choose the worst meaning. This happened so often that it became a habit. My brain said, oh, someone's talking to me. How can I twist these words so that I can take offense? Don't get me wrong. I was still a nice guy. I wasn't constantly combative, but for some reason, I often found myself playing the victim. According to Donald Miller from Business Made Simple University, this might have been because victims get help from heroes. The big change for me came when I confidently realized that I get to let my brain process information the way I want to. I can look for the best. I can look at those same sentences that I had once taken offense to and look for compliments in them instead of offenses. I can look for the positive instead of trying to twist everything into an attack. And if I'm feeling really on top of things that day, I can twist every sentence and turn it into some kind of a compliment. Once I straightened that out, things began to look a lot brighter for me. But as I've found out in the last couple of months, this habit can fade. So I have to stay vigilant. I have to keep filling my mind with the pure, the powerful, and the positive. Thank you for listening today. These are the means that I use to get through my own cycles of complexity. They started out as a way to categorize personal development information and became a concise paradigm of how to get through smaller and larger projects and problems, and a machine to elevate my whole life each time I do. If you go to the blog at secondmix.net, you'll be able to grab the transcript if you want to look these over again to extract everything that's useful to you. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to email me at matt at secondmix.net. 
I would love to hear from you. I also have a Voxer account that I love to use. I'm not an affiliate in any way. I just love the software, the Voxer app. You can look up Second Mix 21 on Voxer and shoot me a message. Please give me five stars whenever and wherever you can and subscribe to get the most up-to-date episodes. If you know anybody who might find this information useful or helpful, please join my mission and tell them about this show. I'll be here every Monday and Thursday until pigs fly. Have an incredible week. Take the responsibility to make this week special. I'll be back on Thursday. Until then, keep reflecting, revising, and remixing your life. I'll see you soon.